So let's grab our Bibles this morning. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter number 3 as we continue our study on continuing for the Lord. The Apostle Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he's encouraging him through difficult times to continue to be faithful to that which he has learned, to continue to be faithful to that truth that has been delivered to him. And so we're going to pick up where we left off last week, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, and we're going to look at verse number 14. And if you found your place there and you're physically able to stand, I'll invite you to stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's word. Verse number 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on the reading and preaching of his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we are humbled and honored that we can come together as your people to learn of your word, to encourage one another to continue in our faith. We know that there are many things that have happened over the course of this past year that have been bumps and bruises and challenges and difficulties that have come our way that have shaken our path, shaken our mind and our heart. God, I pray that you would help us through your word this morning to look at another way that we need to continue and to focus on you. God, help to strengthen our hearts this morning. Help to encourage our minds. Help God to keep us faithful during these times. We ask and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, as we've been looking at this calling to continue in our faith, we begin this study at the beginning of 2 Timothy chapter number 3 by looking at the fact that Paul warned Timothy that dangerous times would come, that there would be these times where men would only care about themselves. There would be a selfishness that would be pervasive in our culture. It would prompt people to be covetous and proud and boasters and blasphemers, incontinent and fierce and despisers of those that are good, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. This would be the temperament and the culture that Timothy and those that would succeed him would minister in. It doesn't sound fun and it doesn't sound pleasant, and yet Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, encourages Timothy to continue anyway to continue to do that which he'd been taught, to continue to preach that which had been delivered to him. And then he continued to let Timothy know that there would be persecutions that would come, difficult times, hard circumstances that he would have to minister in. In fact, he told Timothy, all those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Hey, listen to me. If you're going to be a light in a dark world, understand this, people are going to notice you. People are going to see your testimony. And a light in a dark world is going to have some friction. You'll experience friction as you name the name of Christ. 
You'll experience friction as you live for him in a culture that does not. And Paul encourages Timothy and says, don't allow that friction to burn you out. Continue to serve your God even during difficult circumstances. Now this week as we continue to look at how God calls us to move forward, we're gonna see that we need to continue in a godly legacy. We need to continue in a godly legacy. I wanna start this morning by giving you a little bit of my own personal testimony. I'm so glad that I was raised in a Christian home. I was memorizing scripture by the time I was age two, I was going through the Romans road. I was practically born in the church nursery. My dad was an assistant pastor And what I enjoyed about growing up in that home is that it wasn't like we had our church life and we had our home life. We'd go to church and we'd worship God at church. And guess what? We'd also have a worship atmosphere for God in our house. We'd read the Bible at church. My parents would read the Bible at church and then they'd read the Bible to us in our home. My parents would speak of the things of God at church and then they would speak of the things of God at home. My parents would curse and swear at church and then they'd curse and swear at home. I'm kidding. Just saying they were consistent, okay? It wasn't two lives. It wasn't like, okay, this is our church life and this is our home life. But I was glad what was demonstrated to me was that a life lived well is a life lived for God. And that sunk into me. And I believe that the callings of God that have developed in my life and the things that I've learned and the things that I'm now passing down to my children and the things that I'm instructing from the pulpit even today come from a legacy of parents, of a family, of a home that valued the things of God. And here as Paul is encouraging Timothy, he's reminding Timothy of the legacy that he has. How from even a child, he'd learned the scriptures How from even a child, he'd begin to develop a relationship and walk with the Lord. And Paul is calling Timothy to continue in that legacy. And I think there are some things we can learn this morning that will help us to continue even beyond ourselves to pass the truth down to those who are coming up behind us. And we need to be faithful to do that. So as we look at this passage this morning, there are a few things that I want us to key in on. First of all, I want us to see that we need to have a legacy of teaching. Actually, back up a little bit. I'm jumping ahead. I'm getting so excited for my message. I'm going to my my points that are ahead. We need to have a legacy of learning first. A legacy of learning. Notice this is what Paul reminds Timothy of in these first verses of scripture in our text this morning. Verse 14, he says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. He's saying to Timothy, you've learned some things. Even from a child, you have learned. And you know, we need that spirit of learning today. That's one thing that concerns me about our culture. In our culture of pride, we neglect the humility to be learners. Now, we're big on experiences. We want to feel things. In our culture today, our emotions run hot, they run heavy, and we're governed many times by our emotions. And regardless of what facet of life it is, it's not really worth it to us unless it's appealing to the sensualities of our flesh. We want to taste it. We want to feel it. We want to experience it. And even church has become this big experience. It's become this big production from the nursery all the way to the worship services. Man, if we don't have lasers and lights and mirrors and fog, and we don't have that thumping, you know, bass that's driving us to 
understand who God is. It's like, hey, if we can't experience all this pumping up of our flesh, then we're not engaged and we're not enjoying ourselves. And many times it leads to a lack of commitment and discipline to actually be learners, to want to dig into the truth of God's word and understand doctrine and begin to feast on things that will nourish us as believers spiritually. And here, Paul is saying to Timothy, you need to continue learning. How many of you understand life is all about continuing to learn? None of us in this room have arrived. None of us know all things. None of us have grown to the pinnacle of our relationship with the Lord. And so we need to be voracious learners of God's word. We need to be voracious learners of what a walk with the Lord looks like. You know, many times we're satisfied in our learning to just, you know, pull up our little devotional quips for the day. And there's nothing against that. Hey, I'm glad that, you know, social media pops up some nice verse that comforts me every so often. And I'm glad I've got my little verse in my corner that uh, is on a uh, uh, rotating index that I can flip and, okay, what's the verse for today? But listen, learning isn't just about reading and getting information into the brain. It's also about doing and bringing that information into the context of obedience. The Bible tells us that we're not to just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And we learn the word of God by intaking that truth and then processing it through our life into actions. We actually become more like Christ as we walk like him, as we learn of him. And so he's calling Timothy to continue in learning, continue in processing this truth. We find that Paul encouraged Timothy concerning this, even in the previous chapter. Notice with me, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. The verses are on the screen as well. Notice his command to Timothy, his instruction to Timothy. Study. How many of you are like me? He lost me there. A study is work. Study requires time and energy and effort. If you're going to study, you have to get yourself into a place where you can focus. You have to give yourself over to what you're reading or learning. And you have to sacrifice on behalf of what it is that you are absorbing. And, and study is difficult. Study takes energy. And so he tells Timothy, this isn't a passive activity. If you're going to know God's word and you're going to have a vibrant relationship with him, then you need to put effort into it. It needs to be a commitment in your life. And he says, study. And notice this in verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God. I want you to know that God is watching how you value his word. He's evaluating how you spend time in it, how you process it, what you're reading, how you're memorizing. He's concerned for that. How many of you understand God has given us his precious word? There are many men who died to get this to us. There are many people who've sacrificed their lives in obedience to marking this down and, and being used in God's preservation of his word to deliver it to us today. We ought not take this lightly. And if you're ever going to be approved by God, if you're ever going to be looked at by God and seen as he's doing or she's doing what they ought to be doing. He's going to look at how you study his word, how you give time and attention and energy to it. 
steady to show thyself approved unto God. And he doesn't hide the fact that it's work. He says that we can be a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You ought to get to the point as you grow as a Christian where you know how this book has been written, who it's been written to, why it's been written to them, and what God's purpose was in giving it to them. You should be able to process the context of Scripture so that you can rightly divide it and not get lost in false doctrine and false teachings. How many of you know our world is full of false teachers and false teachings today? And if we don't value studying God's Word, dividing it rightly, being a workman that knows how to handle the Word of God, then you are risking being swept away in the large waves of false doctrine that exist in our world today. So there's study that needs to take place. We need to commit ourselves to learning the word of God. That's what Paul instructs Timothy. But he also highlights here in verse number 16, things that get in the way of us studying God's word. Things that prevent us from really digging in and grabbing a hold of being this workman that goes through the word of God. Notice what he says, verse 16, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Now this word shun is a very strong word. It means to completely circumvent. It means to avoid at all costs. It means you walk the furthest way you can to avoid coming into contact with it. Shun. Now, what is he warning us to get away from? What is he warning us not to allow to be part of our lives? He says this, profane and vain babblings. So he wants us to study the word of God, but he wants us to avoid like the plague, profane and vain babblings. Now, we might ask ourselves, what does he mean by profane and vain babblings? Well, we understand the word profane. You've heard profanity used in our world today. Profanity is a vulgar base language. It cuts right through everything and gets to the heart of carnality. It's very fleshly based. It's profane. And what Timothy is being encouraged about is he's saying, dig into the word and know the word and don't just be a preacher or be a student that wants your ears tickled by things that will appeal just strictly to the flesh. Now, I want to warn us today in the day and age that we live in, that many pulpits are filled with profanity today. They're filled with profanity. Now, they might not be getting in the pulpit and cursing and swearing, but a lot of times all you hear from the pulpit is that which appeals to the carnal flesh of man. You have people that want a motivational speech. You have people that want to hear the pop psychological inferences of men who want you to feel good about yourself. And a lot of the ministry platforms that make a lot of money and have a wide viewership are those that motivate people to look inwardly at their flesh to make it through another day instead of looking externally at the God who created them to fulfill them, indwell them, and lead them in his truth and in his way. And so we have pulpits and we have Christianity that is filled with profanity today, profane and vain babblings. 
You know, you might have someone that stands behind a pulpit and says, hey, there's a champion in you. Look inside you. Your best day is today. And you can pick yourself up by the bootstraps and you can smell the flowers and you can look at the sunshine. Well, maybe not today. Maybe not this week. Maybe not next week here in West Virginia, right? And if you'll do all this and you'll look inwardly and you'll meditate and you'll feel good about yourself, listen, that's what God would want you to do. No, that's not what God would want you to do. In fact, how many of you need help getting through the tough days that are ahead? Hey, tomorrow might not be better financially than yesterday was. And tomorrow might not be better health-wise than yesterday was. And guess what? Tomorrow might not be better in our culture and in our government than yesterday was. It may get worse. In fact, what we read just a couple weeks ago, we found that it's going to wax worse and worse before the Lord comes. And I need real truth. I need real stuff real meat, real nourishment that I can process, that I can build a life on that will help me get through the difficult times to come. I don't need just a motivational speech. I need the word of God. I don't need just a motivational speech. I need truth that I can look to and that I can count on in my life to help me grow and to help me be more like Jesus and to help me disconnect from this world that's passing away and connect to the eternity that's waiting for me. And so Paul tells Timothy that he should avoid these profane and vain babblings. But let's just be honest with ourselves. We spend a lot more time watching the news than we do digging into God's word. We spend a lot more time listening to those podcasts than we do digging into God's word. We spend a lot more time Googling this or Googling that than digging into God's word. Hey, let's just talk about this for a moment. We spend a lot more time entertaining our flesh than we do digging into God's word. In fact, even in church today, we have drummed church up to be a big entertainment situation. From the nursery to the adult worship, it's all about how can I be entertained? Hey, is the music driving? Is is the pastor funny? Well, maybe funny looking, but is the pastor funny? Is, Is my sensualities being tickled and tingled? Am I feeling something when I walk away? And listen, I'm not saying that 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 we shouldn't feel happy and good and fed when we come to church. But I'm saying our main objective ought not to be constantly being entertained. You know, parents, if you have children, you should encourage them and in fact instruct them that they need to be in church. You should bring them to church with you every single Sunday. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I want them to love church. I want to make that decision for themselves. I don't want them to grow up and then because they haven't liked church, just abandon church altogether. Well, let me promise you something. A surefire way that your kids abandon church and hate God is to not bring them to church. I had three women say amen. I want five guys to say amen. (laughs) Because men, I've preached about this before. You're the spiritual leaders of your home. You need to have your kids in church. We don't understand. My teenager doesn't like church anymore. You don't understand. Hey, are you feeding them? Do they eat your food? Do they live under your roof? Do they sleep in the bed that you paid for them to sleep in? Say, pastor, this is harsh. Why are you talking like this? Because parent, if you don't get your children to come to church with you, I can guarantee you that they will be out of church. You need to bring them to church. We've fallen into this lie 
that we need to coddle our children and make them feel good about church and entertain them. And if the church isn't entertaining and they're not playing video games there all the time and they're not eating candy all the time and they're not playing games all the time, that that's just not going to be good enough for them. And so I'm not going to bring them to church. Hey, listen, your children need the word of God today. Your children need the word of God on a consistent basis today. Your children need to be taught the truths of doctrine. They need to be taught the truths of salvation. Timothy is being told by Paul that from a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which have made you wise unto salvation. And now we think we've got to entertain the kids. They've got to play games all the time. Hey, listen, I'm all for having fun. Go down there right now. They're probably doing something crazy. But they're also learning the Word of God. Our kids need the Word of God today. Well, pastor, they're teenagers. They can make their own decisions. Well, I'll just tell you what I'm doing in my home. My teenagers are coming to church with me for as long as they live in my house. And I'm not bullies about it. I've, hopefully, like in my home, I've taught them it's important. I'll tell you where the conflict is, parent. I want you to listen to me in this and let me pastor you just for a little while. I'll tell you where the conflict is. The conflict is when you have church life and then you have home life and they look vastly different. You're killing your kids with that. Why? Because you're telling them it's not real. We behave differently at home. We don't exercise the love of God at home. We'll do it for show at church. We don't dig into God's word at home because it's not that important at home. It's only important when you go to church. And then finally, your kids think, well, what's the big deal about going to church if my parents don't even live it at home? I'll tell you what is a, a difficulty for children. It's when we skip church and we skip being faithful to God and we don't think it's important, but they can go to every ball game and they can go to every recital and they can go to every event for their school and will just kind of barely make it to church and will barely make that a focus. Hey, listen, when your kids wake up in the morning and they've got math class, you don't say, well, they don't really like math, so I don't want them to go to math class because I just don't want them to hate it when it grows up. You're going to hate math when you grow up, regardless if you go to class or not. but you still make them go to math class. Why? Because you think it's important. Can I tell you what? The Word of God is much more important than math. And we need to teach our children the consistency of the importance of being in church, the importance of learning God's Word, the importance of serving Him, the importance of connecting with what God has left us here to do. Avoid profane and vain babblings, entertainment, things that appeal to our carnality. We need to be students of the Word of God. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you a learner? Are you humble? Are you studying? Are you digging in? Do you have an open heart and an open mind when the Word of God is being preached? Secondly, this morning, not only do we need to see and have a legacy of learning, we need to have a legacy of teaching. A legacy of teaching Notice with me here as we continue on, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and the end of verse 14. Knowing of whom thou hast learned them. There was somebody teaching Timothy. There was somebody who was giving Timothy the word of God at an early age. There was a teacher there. There were teachers there. Verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So Paul, again, is reminding Timothy, you've learned because there have been faithful people who've taught you. I, I like the account in Scripture of the Ethiopian eunuch returning from worshiping at Jerusalem. And he's in his chariot, and he's reading 
the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and Philip is miraculously transported next to his chariot. And he asked the Ethiopian eunuch, do you know what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch responded to him, how can I know unless somebody teach me? And so Philip climbed up into that chariot and taught this Ethiopian eunuch what Isaiah was saying and brought that man to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need teachers today. We need people who will pour into other people the truths and the word of God. Timothy was blessed to have this in his life. And in fact, Paul references that in 2 Timothy chapter number one. Notice with me, the verses are on the screen. 2 Timothy one, verse number five. Notice what Paul says to Timothy here. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. What a great testimony concerning Timothy. He didn't have a fake faith. It wasn't a show. It wasn't a put on. It was unfeigned. It was genuine. It was sincere. Now he says, this faith dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and am persuaded that in thee also. So you see the legacy here of teaching and learning. You see that Paul is reminding Timothy, hey, continue to learn, continue to be humble, continue to study and show yourself approved. And don't forget there were teachers who taught you what you needed to know. What a great testimony this is of a faithful grandmother who taught her daughter and a faithful daughter who then taught her son the things of the Lord. Now, we don't know for certain why Timothy's dad isn't referred to as being in the picture here. Some scholars surmise that perhaps he ran away from his obligations to the family because maybe there was tension regarding the faith. Some surmise that perhaps he died and Timothy's mom was widowed. We're just not certain. Maybe he's in the picture, but he was absent spiritually. I realized a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about men being the spiritual leaders of their home. And every once in a while, someone will ask me, well, what if I am a widow or what if my husband left me or what if I'm not married and I'm single, then who's the spiritual leader of the home? And we find here that ladies, you are in a position to lead and teach spiritually if you're the one in the home that has the spiritual impetus on you. But what I like here is that she connected Timothy with Paul as well. Notice with me this verse of scripture in 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. We see the relationship that existed between Timothy and Paul. The Bible says, Thou therefore, my son, we see that Paul adopted Timothy, so to speak, as his son in the faith. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast learned of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. So Paul references the fact that I've taught you. Your grandma's taught you, your mom's taught you, and I've taught you. And listen, single mom, listen, widow, listen, any person who doesn't have that spiritual leader per se in your home, you are that spiritual leader and make sure your kids are in church. Make sure that you're in church where you can connect them with good spiritual examples like Timothy was connected with Paul. Hey, this is why church is important. Hey, we can just do church online. Hey, we can just do church online perpetually. In fact, that's probably safer. Well, it's not safer spiritually because you don't have any of this going on. 
You don't have sons who need fathers being adopted. You don't have discipleship one-on-one taking place. You don't have lives being lived before each other in example so that I can point my kids to someone who's been married for 64 years there in the back to his wife and say, look at their example. That's how you do marriage. That's how you live on purpose for God. And so we come together in this environment of learning and teaching and instructing, and it should happen generationally with that truth being passed down and passed down and passed down. But we see the opposite of that today. We see kids growing up in Christian homes and then abandoning the faith on mass scale. Even before coronavirus hit, church attendance had been at its lowest percentage ever. It's amazing the degradation that we've seen in valuing the word of God, learning, teaching, discipling, and coming together as believers to further this calling that we've been given in church legacy. Notice the pattern that Paul gave to Timothy. He said, you've learned of me, and now you need to commit that to faithful men who then will be able to teach others also. I want you to ask yourself a personal question this morning. Ask yourself this question. Who am I teaching? Now, we're very consumer-oriented as Christians today. We'll sit in our comfortable pew. Pastor, bring a good message. Pastor, give us some meat today. Pastor, open up the word. Enrich my life. Fill me with truth. And then we go out gorged with the word of God, and we're not pouring it into anybody else. We see generation now after generation who's not being taught, who's not learning, who's not developing passionate relationships with God, who just want to come and be involved in everything for an experience, for a feeling. And as soon as it doesn't feel good anymore, they're out. As soon as it challenges their worldview, they're out. As soon as it challenges their life and their living, they're out. We need to value this legacy that God has called us to of learning and teaching and instructing and pouring into other people the truth of God's word. We've seen this morning that we need to be involved in a legacy of learning. We need to be involved in a legacy of teaching. But teaching and learning are all in vain if it's not done in the truth. Why should we be so passionate about this? Why should we learn? Why should we teach? Because Paul's going to tell us, because we have the truth. Lastly, this morning, I want us to see a legacy of truth. Notice with me, verse number 16. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture. By the way, that's what we're learning. That's what we're teaching. It's the word of God. Hey, you didn't come to hear You know, Brian's exploits of life, that'd be very boring, by the way. You haven't come here to hear Funny Hour with Brian Leversy. In fact, you haven't really come here to hear anything from me. How many of you know we ought to bring God's word with us when we come to church? This ought to be opened up. This ought to be poured through. This ought to be the foundation. This ought to be everything that we're discussing should be coming from the word of God. It's the scriptures That's what we're learning, and that's what we're teaching. That's what this legacy surrounds. And notice what Paul says about the Scriptures. 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's not the thoughts of man. It's not a chronicle of the experience of man. This is the God-breathed, God-living word of God. It's inspired by him. It's inerrant. It's perfect. It gives us everything that we need to know concerning life and godliness. It's the word of God. And the Apostle Paul says this about the word of God. It is profitable. How many of you know the word of God is valuable to us? That truth that the word of God has is profitable to us. It has merit for our lives. It has merit for our relationship with the Lord. Well, how is it profitable? Well, notice what Paul writes here to Timothy. It's profitable, first of all, for doctrine. See, the Bible shapes what we believe. How many of you understand this morning, what you believe matters? We see that in our world today. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our beliefs shape our behavior. And if you want to know why the world's behaving the way it is today, it's because they have forgotten the word of God. What we believe matters. And so the word of God is profitable for doctrine. And your kids need to be learning it from an early age. Hey, listen to me. I don't know, I don't know how you feel as a parent, but this is the way I feel as a parent. I don't want to bring my church to a place that's just going to entertain my kids and babysit them. I want my kids, three years old, Eden, in her little Sunday school class, I want her learning doctrine from the word of God. I want her learning that she's a sinner. Please, if you're teaching my daughter, tell her she's a sinner. Because <laughs> she needs to repent, okay? She needs to know she's a sinner. She needs to know that God's the Savior. She needs to know that there's a way to have life in him. She needs to grow up believing that this is the word of God. You say, pastor, you're basically talking about brainwashing our children. No, I'm talking about teaching our children. How many of you know the world has no problem brainwashing our kids? The world has no problem brainwashing you and me. And make no mistake about it, if you're not in God's word, if you're not hearing the regular preaching and teaching of God's word, if you're not being convicted by the Holy Spirit of God in his word, you will be brainwashed. In fact, the Bible says, will there be any faith left when I come? The Bible says that there's going to be a great falling away and apostasy before he comes. The Bible says that if it were possible, even the elect, even the saved, even the ones who have the Holy Spirit of God in them would be fooled if it were possible for that to happen. Hey, don't play games with doctrine. You need the truth of God's word. And I want my kids learning this from the very early stage. Oh, I want them to experiment. I want them to learn things on their own. I want them to gravitate toward whatever it is they're drawn to. No, you don't, because how many of you know there are a lot of traps that are drawing people right into them? I don't know, can I just, can I get off script here just for a moment and talk to you just, just for a moment, just heart to heart here real quick. I don't know where parents, Christian parents, started to buy in to the fact that they're gonna damage their children if they, from a young age, start just giving scripture to them, having them come to church, make that their pattern of life and grow them up in that. And, and teenagers, if you're in this room today, you need to be glad that you have parents that have you in church this morning. You need to be grateful that you have parents that are sitting with you in church this morning. 
that are making sure that you know the truths of God's word, that make sure that you're exposed to that truth time in and time out. Because I'm telling you, this world is brutal and it's chewing people up and spitting them out. And we need the truth of God's word today. We need doctrine. The word of God is profitable. And parents, I don't know where we got this idea that we're gonna damage our children by introducing them to God's word early and often and, and having them be in church with us and having them walk in the ways of God and, and, and bringing them along with us and walking with them. Don't let your kids experiment. Don't let them get out in the world and try this and try that. Put up those guardrails. Make sure that they're obeying the word of God. You know, this is, this is the way I feel about it. I'll take my chances having my kids in church, even if they don't want to be there, that they're going to hear something from God's word that will convict their heart, that will cause them to make a decision for Christ. I'd rather have them in church with me as long as they're living in my house, even if they don't like it, than just turn them over to the world. I'll take my chances with the word of God. Now, if they grow up and they leave off of their faith and they go do something that they know wouldn't be in my heart, wouldn't be in God's heart, I understand every, every person is a free will agent. I understand people can make their own decisions, but it won't be because I haven't given them the word of God. And it won't be because I haven't had them in church. And it won't be because they don't know the truth. And you know what? I'm gonna trust God's word that I can, if I'm faithful to do what I need to do as a parent, I can be out in that field like the father looking for the prodigal son. And I can be looking at the horizon waiting for even if they hit rock bottom in some pig pen somewhere, eating the slop that the pigs eat, that I can be out there with my arms open, ready for them to run back home where I can embrace them and I can throw a party for them and I can welcome them back into the house of God because they knew where they came from and they knew where to return to. But if you throw them over to the world right now and just say, it's done, they don't want to come, you'll lose them forever. You'll lose them forever. Have them in the house of God. You see, it's truth. It's important. It's for doctrine. Notice this, for reproof. That's reproving our steps. That's getting us back on course when we've gone off course. How many of you are like me, hard-headed? You need a push and a nudge every now and then. That's what the word of God does. It comes into our life and convicts us when we're getting off course and brings us back on path again. For correction. It shows us where we're wrong and it tells us how to do right. It corrects our behavior. For instruction in righteousness, it tells us how to live godly and holy lives that are pleasing to God. Why do we do this? Why do we commit ourselves to a legacy of learning and teaching the truth of God's word? Well, verse number 17 tells us why. That the man of God may be perfect. Now that word perfect doesn't mean sinless perfect. Doesn't mean that we never fall down, but it means that the word of God completes us. We have everything that we need in order to live for God and please him. It also means that we're fully equipped. Notice, throughly furnished unto all good works. We have all the furniture we need and it's all in the right place and we're able to do what God has called us to do because we know his word. So in the beginning of this year, as we focus on continuing for the Lord, we know that we need to continue in perilous times. We need to continue in a corrupt culture. 
We need to continue in difficult circumstances. And we also need to continue in a godly legacy. Hey, parent, don't give up being the godly parent God's called you to be. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I failed in this way and I failed in this way and I wasn't consistent here. Well, then repent and repent in front of your children if you need to. Apologize to your children if you need to and get back on track and live for God faithfully the way that God has called you to do as a parent. And God will bless you and God will equip you to do so. Hey, Christian, you've been saved for a long time. You've known the Lord, you've walked with him. Who are you teaching? Who are you instructing? Who are you discipling? We're putting a big focus on our discipleship program here at the church this year. One-on-one discipleship, taking people through the fundamental truths of our faith so they can have a good foundation to to draw from and to, to live in. I hope that people will sign up if they need it and if they could teach, that they'd sign up to take somebody through it. What a blessing that'll be as we have people investing in each other's lives throughout the congregation, helping people to grow, helping people to be ready to teach others also.